Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us today for Reconciling Grace. This is a time where we gather together and share topics and passages from the Bible. My name is Pete Vecchi. I'm one of the associate pastors at West Carrollton Church of the Nazarene. Joining me today is Christian author Steve Wilson, and Steve is a master's degree holder from United Theological Seminary in Dayton, and Mick Wells is with us today. He is the co-host of the Cross Connection radio program. He has been also part of Wells of Salvation Ministries since 1980. And Mick is going to be the one who's going to kind of take the lead on today's discussion. The uh, topic today, I guess we're just going to call Asking God. Does that sound okay, Mick? Yeah, Pete, I I think that'll cover it in a a broad brush sense. Um, There's various scriptures in the Bible that folks like to cite in uh, uh, approaching God, and I think it's very important that we look at these scriptures and study them not into isolation. We've often heard about people that will take a single scripture and run with it and, and create their own pet doctrine out of it, almost to the exclusion of anything else in the Bible. But, uh, you know, when the Bible tells us that all scriptures God breathed and it's there for us to study and to guide our lives, to paraphrase the, uh, the word of God, I think we have to uh, understand that uh, God is looking out for us. He wants us to come to him. There's one scripture that says, you have not because you ask not. So when we go to ask God for something, it's important that we know what we're talking about and what our expectations may be in response to our petitions to the Lord. I'd like to start out with... uh, having Steve read um, a scripture. This is 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, and we'll go from there. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Uh, a lot of questions pop up in my mind when I read that, and I don't know if... Uh, You two, as uh, ministers of the Word, get questions about Scripture like this from followers. But uh, let me tell you, I'll just throw out one of the first questions that come into my mind, and and believe me, I don't have any answers here. And when Steve Steve read, uh, we have confidence in approaching God if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. So I... The first question in my mind is if we ask something that's not in accordance with his will, if it's inconsistent with the will of God, does that mean he doesn't hear us? My thought would be that uh, we're dealing with the definition of the word hear. Um, I think he hears as though 
I can audibly hear as we're speaking right now a motor somewhere outside uh, of the building here. I hope it's not coming out through the uh, through the microphones, but I hear it. But I'm not necessarily paying attention to it. I'm not going to go out and say I'm going to drop what I'm doing and go pay attention to that motor. I am thinking along the lines of God will always hear us. Now, will he respond to everything in a positive way, meaning he's going to give us everything we ask just because uh, we say it, even if it's not according to his will? I, I don't think so. I think that one of the keys there is that it needs to be according to his will for him to to uh, respond in the way we want him to, in which case that gets back to me. A question that I have oftentimes asked is, is prayer so much about my trying to get God to change his mind about something and do something in a different way, or is it rather as much about, if not more so, about my trying to make sure that my spirit is aligned with the will of God? Well, I see what you mean. The um, the scripture doesn't come right out and close the loop with answering the question per se. We know that uh, God knows all things. The fancy word is omniscience. He knows all things. So he knows we're asking. He knows what we're asking for. The question is, is it accordance with his will. It says anything according to his will, he hears us. It doesn't go on to say, if we don't ask anything according to his will, he doesn't hear us. You see, it's, it's almost an implication. Uh, but we know that if he hears us, uh, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. Any thoughts, Steve? Well, here's my question. If I ask something according to his will, does it matter if I ask it? In other words, if it's according to his will, he's going to do it whether I ask him to do it or not. So in that case, is there a point to me praying for it? Well, you know, that's a, that's a great point, and I've wondered about that my whole life. And let me wax uh, philosophical here. <laughs> I've heard about prayer warriors. You know, there was a guy who wrote all kinds of books, and his name was E.M. Bounds, and all the books were on prayer. You read about people who pray for hours on their knees, eight hours, 10 hours, and I would love to get a vi a, an audio recording of what they're saying, because when the Lord taught us to pray, he said, pray, thy will be done and that covers the whole waterfront kind of like what you're saying there uh steve and i don't have to guess is this situation his will is it not his will but it for some people it may lead them to wonder why why ask god for anything at all what do you think i think that uh it is a topic that I have wrestled with my entire life. I, it sounds like you have as well. Yes. Um, just because of, of the things that you're saying. For me, one of the things that I wrestle with has always been, how do I know that this is his will? I mean, I will really, really, really try to discern, am I doing this or am I asking this because of any kind of selfish reason? Um, am I asking this because of something that I would like to see happen or that I want not to happen? 
at the same time, I'm I'm a lot like you in that, Mick. I, I look at it saying as your will is what I want, Lord. Maybe it's my desire is to know God's will so that I can ask for it. I mean, I believe it was when Jesus said something about that if you have enough faith, you can say to this mountain, um, be cast into the ocean. Well, sure, if I have faith, but if I have faith, I would have to believe that I really think that God really wants that mountain to be cast into the ocean. And I really haven't come upon any time in history when I can think of, unless they're talking about maybe a volcanic eruption or something, when God has necessarily wanted a mountain to be cast into the ocean. Yeah, well, you know, we um, we don't know the mind of God. We don't know the plans. We know some things about him, though. The scripture has uh, evidence that he has changed his mind in response to prayer. There's also scriptural encouragement that can be construed from some of the stories in the Gospels of how people come to God over and over and over and ask for things. He said, as I mentioned, you have not because you ask not, but we're kind of flying blind in a, in a sense. You know, our hearts are, are right, they're, they're true, they're, uh, we're sincere, but we may not know what God's will is or isn't. Uh, I kind of look at the thy will be done to be almost a fallback position, um, but I have been tempted not to pray in specifics, ask God for things in specifics. In fact, I think I read something years ago where Billy Graham was hesitant to ask for specifics because of the same kind of principle. I think of God as a father, mm-hmm. and when I go to him, I'm not making demands, I'm not maybe expecting him to answer what I want, even though you know I'm doing my best to, pr- to pray within his will. Um, you know, God, this is, this is for your glory, this I'm not praying for anything selfish here, um, etc. In, in not expecting anything, though, I feel like I'm leaving him the freedom to answer or not. Yeah. And I'm kind of placing myself as a child at his feet saying, you know, Dad, if you could do this, I would really like it. And, and I think if, it's, if it doesn't conflict with his will, if he doesn't have other plans, he has a father's heart. And he says, yes, I would like to do that for you. I would like to bless you in that way. Well, I think the Word makes clear that the Lord loves to give good gifts to his children. Uh, I thought of a little uh, excerpt from a book I read one time where a fellow... He was a pastor, a young pastor, and his wife was pregnant, and you know she had this craving for some odd food. In the middle of winter, she um, craved having some watermelon. <laughs> they prayed for watermelon, and then, you know, a few, within a few hours, somebody put a watermelon on their front um, step. And and so you know, it's hard to put God in a box. He loves to do good things for his his children. And maybe that's an example of of it right there. Well, that's kind of exactly the kind of thing, and I'm being so serious about this when I say this, that I don't always know 
his will. Uh, so often, you know, I've heard the saying before that there's nothing too little or too big to bring to God. But I would think that something as seemingly little as a watermelon wouldn't be something that I would personally find myself generally praying for specifically. Um, But at the same time, who knows why God felt that that was an important thing in that life. Maybe those people specifically needed to see that, hey, we can trust God with something this small or seemingly insignificant. And that may have been a stepping stone to something much greater in their faith. And uh, speaking of stepping stones, I think we need to step on this stone, which is going to a commercial for our sponsor, and then we'll get back to our segments here about Asking God. And this is Pete Becky back with you for Reconciling Grace as we're discussing the subject Asking God. Along with me today are Steve Wilson and Mick Wells. And Mick, you've kind of been leading the discussion on asking God. Uh, Where would you like to go from here? Well, I'd like to share a similar scripture with you. Uh, Matthew 21, verse 22 says, If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask in prayer. Now that almost sounds like a, a carte blanche if you took it out of context. And there are other scriptures like that. But what I'm afraid that we're tempted to do is look at God as some kind of a what I call a cosmic vending machine. When that says, though, uh, if you believe, if you believe what? If, says, you be- if you believe that you're going to receive this, if you believe in God, if you believe that this is what God wants to do, if you believe in the cosmic vending machine, you know, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't really say if you believe in what? Yeah, I need to look at uh, prior verses of that. Uh, but I picked one out because sometimes somebody will grab something like that and and make God a cosmic vending machine for their prayer life. Exactly. Um, I'd like to touch on something here. You know, there are some things that God can't do, and it's pretty clear in Scripture. And so... When you talk about praying and asking consistent with his will, I don't think we can pray for God to act out of character. God can't be anything less than God. Let me share with you a couple things. Hebrews 6.18 says that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. We know that God can't lie, okay? He can't be pleased without faith. The word tells us, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. He doesn't change, and I say his character because we've already talked a little bit here that he has been known to change his mind, and that's been clear in scripture, but it's within his character to entertain changing his mind. But he has to stay consistent with who God is. And uh, Malachi 3.6 says, I, the Lord, uh, do not change. It goes on to say, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. He doesn't break a promise. 
Um, there's a whole laundry list of things that God can't do because he is God and it says, I won't do these things. So when you pray and ask God to do something inconsistent with his will, I don't think he's going to find that that's within his will to grant because it's contrary to how he's defined himself and how he's revealed himself uh, to uh, mankind. But uh, I do think that when we look, we, we get into a thorny area here when it comes to something like uh, praying something consistent with his will, but he may not answer it. Listen to this. 2 Peter 3, 9, off-quoted scripture here, says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Okay, he doesn't want us to perish. It's his will that we would all come to repentance. That's his will. That's expressed here. Mm -hmm. So, Steve, you've got a coworker, mm -hmm. and your prayer is that your coworker would repent and be reconciled to God. Is that consistent with God's will? Sure. And how would that fit if we ask anything according to His will? He hears us. If we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of Him. So, you, you um, see where I'm getting at absolutely, here? Absolutely, yeah. So, can I answer that? Sure. Okay. So that's uh, what you're talking about. He can't do anything inconsistent with his with his character. Right. So he can't make my coworker do anything. Well, I think that is the ultimate answer. Right. I think there are some people, and I think we need to clarify this a little bit. I think that those of us here are coming from a tradition where we would say that um, we have free will as human beings. There are some people who I'm not going to question their Christianity. I'm going to just say we might have a little disagreement on it, who will simply say that if these people were predestined to be saved, that they're going to be saved and their free will has nothing to do with it. I happen to believe otherwise, but you know what? If somebody believes that they've been predestined, if they believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, you know what? They're my brother or sister in Christ, and that's where we're going to go. I'm not going to try to tackle these theological uh, debates today. But I think what Steve said is right about the idea of free will. He's not going to force his will on somebody. Even though a person repenting and being reconciled to God is consistent with the will of God. Yes. I mean, I, I look at it this way. Steve mentioned the word a little while ago uh, about relationship between us and God the Father. Uh, it's it's a relationship that God is looking for. He's not looking for us to say the right words. I mean, if we are parents, I know that Mick and I are both parents. That's something that um, Steve is not a parent, but uh, you have been a child of, of parents. And it's, it's a relationship that God wants to have with us. Um, we will be asked as parents for things by our children. And, and when we were children, we would ask things of our parents that 
we thought might be the best thing in the world, but our parents said no, or we as parents know might not be the best situation for our kids to go uh, having. Maybe it was something we really wanted our kids to have, but there was another circumstance that made it impossible. I mean, it was a it was a great uh, illustration that I heard just uh, the other day. My grandson, who is uh, four years old, was saying something to my son about something he wanted for Christmas. And uh, my son said to him, he says, well, Theo, I think that that might be a little bit expensive. I don't know that we could get that. And... Um, Theo said to him, well, maybe we can talk to somebody who has a lot of money and see if they'll get me that for Christmas. <laughs> you know, I was thinking of the scripture where uh, it says, uh, what father, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake. You know, Lord knows what we need and knows uh, how to give good gifts to his children. Well, um, so I, I think we could say in summary on that point that it's God's will that all would come to repentance and be reconciled to him, but it's within his character to provide us with free will. And I, I have to think back to my dear late mother, bless her heart, when, I was, when she was about to give birth to me back in the Stone Age, um, she prayed to God that if, there, if her child was not going to make it to heaven, that he would be taken at birth, that the Lord would take me uh, at, at birth. So there's a case where I don't think that God answered that prayer because we were born into this world with the uh, free will and God gives us the plan of salvation and we have the option to accept what Jesus did for us. Here's another situation I'd just like to throw out there. If you had a close friend who was dying in hospice care and you asked that they would be, um, what if you prayed that they would be miraculously healed? How does God view something like that? I've got some thoughts, but uh, anything occurred to you? My first thought is that uh, punishment for sin is death. Yeah. You know that, yes, God does heal people sometimes, but most of the time he doesn't. Uh, most of the time we have to bear that curse. Well, that's true. Uh, death came into the world. Uh, the Old Testament, I think it's Psalm 90.10, that basically says our years on this earth are 70, or if we have the strength, 80. It's kind of set our gyros in terms of an expectation. Ecclesiastes said there's a time to be born, a time to die. And when you look at the physical laws that God has put into place in this world, typically he will not overrule them. Let's, let's face it, any time you ask God for a miracle, you are asking for him to supernaturally intervene and overrule something that apparently would be a natural uh, phenomenon. So I, I freely pray for miracles. Uh, 19 years ago, over 19 years ago, uh, I was given six months to live. I asked God to divinely heal my heart. Uh, he chose to prolong my life uh, through surgery and surgeons. And I'm sitting here with a clicking artificial heart valve. I hope it doesn't get up on the microphone. But uh, God chose to, 
to sustain my life through that. We can't be assured of miracles. Would you agree that God could answer those, but it it's up to him. And in those types of things, we really don't know his will. Sure. And I think that that's such an important thing. And praise God for your healing. You know, <laughs> I praise God um, for it. That, as Steve said, generally speaking, God allows the natural uh, circumstances to occur. But there are times when he supernaturally intervenes. And Steve, when you said, you know, the, the, uh, the, the fact of sin is death, I'm not necessarily, we're not necessarily talking, I should say, about the fact, okay, I committed sin X, Y, Z, so now I'm going to die. We're talking about the condition of sin that we were all born with. And um, it reminds me of, and I think I've shared this before on one of our previous programs, um, when the Apostle James in the book of Acts was arrested by Herod, he was put to death. He was the first of the 12 apostles to be martyred for the faith. And Herod saw that that pleased the Jews so much that he had Peter arrested with the idea of putting Peter to death. And yet Peter was miraculously led out of prison by an angel. Mm-hmm. Now, this doesn't mean that that God loved Peter more or loved James less, but here's what I firmly believe, Mick, is that when God does supernaturally intervene, there's a reason for it that is going to somehow bring glory to him. I agree. I, I think that's key, that, uh, that, that he is glorified. Um, I had a couple other... Uh, Examples here that God probably wouldn't, um, would not answer. For instance, my dad thought he was going to live until Jesus returned. Well, the Lord took him home. What if, what if you or I sat here and said, Lord, I, I want to be raptured. I want to see the rapture. I want to experience it from this side of the, the ledger. Uh, so, Lord, I'm going to pray that uh, you'll keep me alive uh, that I'll live until Jesus returns to earth. You know, I know people that would pray something like that. What, how do you think God views that? Or maybe it's consistent with the, the same kind of thing about praying for healing. Well, didn't think, it? Go ahead. I think God says, well, let's do the math. I know when Jesus is coming back, and if you're going to be alive, you're going to be alive. If not, you know, you, you've kind of gone past your due. Right. To me, though, I was going to mention, though, there was a time in Scripture when something similar happened, when um, the prophet Simeon saw the baby Jesus at his dedication at the temple. He had prayed that he would not die until he saw the Lord's anointed one. And he lived. He was the one who was able to look at Jesus, the baby, and say, this is going to be the one who is going to die for the sins of the world. He's going to be the redeemer of Israel. So there are times when God will supernaturally intervene. Why? Because it's something that is going to glorify him, something that is going to bring about maybe salvation for other people, something that is going to work out in his divine purpose. And, uh, you know, I don't know that we have all the answers. I, I've said it in previous sessions. I, guess, I think I'll probably say it many, many other times. I don't know that there is a one-size-fits-all answer, that there is a universal truth that's going to cover every situation when it comes to this. 
Well, Pete, uh, I know the time's running short here, but John 14, 13 says, and I think these are the words of Jesus, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, comma, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. I mean, it, it has to contribute to the cause uh, for him to entertain that. And that's the key is the Father is glorified through Jesus Christ. We want to live our lives to glorify Jesus Christ. Amen, guys? Amen. Amen. And this is Pete Vecchi, one of the associate pastors at West Carrollton Church of the Nazarene. We are just simply running out of time for today's episode. I want to thank Mick Wells for leading up our discussion today, Steve Wilson for taking such an important part in the discussion today. Lord willing, we'll be back again next week as we have another episode of Reconciling Grace. Let us know if you want us to discuss something. Send us an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. This has been Reconciling Grace. Join us again next time as our panel discusses biblical truths centered around the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ.